pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. Felder scored. in the corner. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. Miles Stemmen and Kieran Gibson aren't available this week, so you'll be listening in on my second date with Daniel Friend as we discuss the relocation of the competition to Queensland as well as State of Origin Game 3 and Round 18 predictions. Should be fun and a little bit romantic, so stick around. Friendy, it's just you and me again. Second date syndrome. Did you enjoy the first date, and can you do you reckon you can handle a second one? Well, we're here again. I've invited you on another one, so yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to pay this time too. So let's let's have another crack. Oh, excellent. Uh, after our first date, uh, the guys Kieran Gibson and Miles Seven, who can't join us again this week, they uh, they did ask how the date went, and I told them, of course, that you were a, a perfect gentleman and that. Uh, well, not Mrs. Friend because I know you're not uh, married, but she's a very lucky lady to have to have you as a partner. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm just so happy to have you back. Oh, thanks, Bo. Shout a quick shout out actually to possibly the future mother-in-law. Uh, she has been a religious listener since I've joined the podcast. So shout out to Annette. <laughs> she knows nothing about rugby league, but she uh, is learning a little bit on the way. And thanks for listening, Annette. Oh, well, uh, thanks for listening, Annette. And uh, yeah, Annette, if you have any any feedback or any tips uh, at all, uh, maybe a bold prediction you can sneak in via Friendly, that would be lovely. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, no Kira Gibson, no Miles Stedman. You're stuck here with Bo Nicholson and Daniel Friend. Let's talk about uh, round 17, as it were. Uh, we all got three out of four uh, because we all tipped the Seagulls instead of the Raiders. That was a little bit of a surprise, Freddy. That came out of a bit yeah, of nowhere. Did. Especially the Seagulls started pretty well. Um, they did, the, yeah. The Raiders sort of jammed that one up on us. Yeah, well, obviously Manly started really well, as you said. But they just, after about when Brad Parker put that ball down in the left uh, corner, they, they couldn't get the ball back. Raiders just had the ball for the next, it seemed like, forever, 50 minutes or so. But, uh, that, yeah, they bounced back to a little bit of form, the Raiders. Um, obviously, Manly had a few players out. So, whether that's a bit of a, a false economy there, uh, I guess we'll find out this week. We will. Uh, in terms of bowl predictions, mine was that every game would be decided by 20 points or more. And in a sad case of irony, the only game that was decided by 20 points or more was the game that my team lost. So, uh, <laughs> I'm super stoked about that bowl prediction coming to bite me in the bum. Uh, Miles predicted that... Two more players after Daniel Siafiti would withdraw from Origin 3. Now, we have had Jai Arrow withdraw with a, with a, with a, a, a grade, grade 3 uh, horn, uh, I suppose. So, um, But I, I can't recall any other players withdrawing since then. But it, it, we are recording on a Tuesday afternoon with the game tomorrow night. So, Friendy, uh, anything is possible, I suppose. Yeah, it certainly is. Miles, still a chance to get that one up. Um, I'm not sure about Kieran's one, but mine certainly didn't didn't get up either. My bold prediction this week. Yeah, you had that makeshift fullbacks Ruben Garrick and Joey Manu would each score a try and each create a try assist. Now, uh, the try scoring wasn't a problem for Joey Manu. Did did Ruben Garrick also score for the Seagulls? I can't remember. 
No, he didn't. He didn't get over the stripe, and he just doesn't pass the ball. So he gave himself every opportunity to, to for him to score, but he didn't. <laughs> yeah, try and create anything for his outside men. And Joey Manu, it wasn't a try assist for the Roosters, but he certainly gave one to the Bulldogs. So it was pretty easy. I'll pay that. I'll pay it. So he created a try. Uh, it doesn't go down legally as a try assist, though. Uh, legally, no. whatever. Um, and as you mentioned, Kieran, uh, his bold prediction was that the Sharks and the Warriors would be a high, would be the highest scoring match of the round, with twenty or more points from both teams and a one to twelve margin. Well, the only part of that he got correct was the one to twelve margin. The Warriors scored less than 20 points, and it was not the highest scoring match of the round. In fact, it was the lowest. So, well done, Kieran. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's jump into what we learned from round 17, Friendy. What, what sort of sticks out for you? Well, I learned that a week in rugby league is a long time. So, the narrative around the Dragons players last week about their culture of the playing group and, and just them in general as, as blokes, I guess, was very negative. Uh, they were copying it from some very prominent journalists that I'm sure people listen to or at least hear. Um, and then this week, uh, a week later, it's all turned around and Matt Dufty's being hailed as a, a good signing for the Canterbury Bulldogs. Uh, I've seen at least three articles on who Paul Vaughan should go to or get picked up by. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not really surprised that people sort of have trouble trusting the, the bigger media outlets because it seems to be whatever suits them, uh, that's what they'll write about. So, yeah, that's what I learned this week. Whatever gets the biggest story, isn't it? And uh, as as long as the news cycle keeps going, and it's almost a 24-hour news cycle in rugby league these days. uh, Yeah, I I actually had a very similar uh, what I learned last week, kind of. It was about Matt Dufty. Uh, The fact that he has uh, signed for the Bulldogs for a year. And what I learned is that the Bulldogs really, really like fullbacks. Uh, They they just (laughs) keep accruing them. They got rid of one in Dallin Wateni-Zelesniak, if you consider him a fullback. He considers himself one. Um, But... They just replaced him straight away with Matt Dufty. They've also got Josh Odokar coming in next season, which seems a bit of a strange one to me, Friendy, because uh, I th- they've signed the Fox on fullback money. Uh, and Matt Dufty, with his defensive deficiencies, I'm not really entirely sure he can play anywhere else. So uh, an interesting one. Uh, I'm not sure how it'll go. Do you think Dufty would get first crack at the number one jersey, considering they also have... Hopawate, unless he gets dumped off. They've got Avarillo, who's still an option there. They've got uh, Nick Meany, who plays pretty good football occasionally at fullback. And of course, as I said, the Fox joining them next year. Uh, who gets first crack, do you reckon? Yeah, well, I think Dufty will get first crack. I think what they've done, uh, Will Hopawati, I'm pretty sure. I don't know whether it's official yet, but I think he may be going overseas to the Super League. Um, mm-hmm. So he'd be out of the equation. But yeah, with Addo Carr, they certainly did sign him on fullback money from all reports. I think, yeah, 700, 800,000, which to put him on the wing seems a bit crazy. But I guess if you get Dufty on a one-year deal for small say three or four hundred and then you're sort of splitting the 1.2 between the fullback and the wing position so um whether Adokar's happy enough playing on the wing I'm not too sure if I was him I certainly wouldn't want to move positions he plays for Australia on the wing so yeah I think Dufty will get first crack especially getting paid like a fullback uh, absolutely exactly. as a cow as a Cowboys fan I would warn against buying blokes that are best served on the wing for like a million dollars or maybe just less. Um, we yeah, did that yeah. with Val Holmes. Uh, he's he's done okay at fullback at various times, but if we're being real, Val Holmes' best position is wing. Uh, I've seen nothing to indicate that 
otherwise for for Adokar, um, but he may surprise me, of course. Um, and that would be wild. What's your wildcard award for this week? Yeah, my wildcard award week is certainly very wild. It's the Salt and Pepper Award, and it goes to Paul Gallen. Uh, the old duo Salt and Pepper, they've got their famous song, Let's Talk About Sex, and that's exactly what Paul Gallen did this week. Uh, in his online column for um, one of the companies he works for, he was talking about the restrictions on the players in the, the Queensland hub, and he was saying that, basically saying there will be another gyro-type incident, and the boys are going to need some companionship in the hub, and if that is the case, then they would they would put the whole game at risk, but it's it's an understandable thing for young men. Well, that's what Paul Gallen was saying. So I'm pretty sure if you're getting sort of upwards of three, four hundred thousand dollars a week, I reckon you could probably like live by yourself for a four week period. I'm sure that that'll be okay with the boys. Yeah, I, I, I would have thought so. Uh, suffice, given that it's coming from Gallon, I also read that today. Given that it's coming from Gallon, would you suggest that uh, he just thought the Jai Arrow was thinking with his little two heads? I would suggest that is the case. <laughs> yeah. Of course, Queenslanders have two heads everywhere, right? So, you know, he had the little two heads. Uh, my, wild, <laughs> my wild card award this week is the Anzac Award for Age Shall Not Weary Them, Nor the Years Condemn, which goes to Aidan Tolman, despite his age and his minutes played being remarkably similar. Tolman knocked out 75 minutes all of pure effort against the Warriors on the weekend with 43 tackles and about 140 metres, including an uncharacteristic tackle break. Uh, he's he's not a state, standout kind of guy, Aiden, and, uh, but he did have a lot of good years at the Storm and the Bulldogs and, and now at the Sharks. And I've always kind of liked the cut of his jib. So the Anzac Award for Age Shall Not Weary Them Nor The Years Condemned goes to Aiden Tolman this week. Now, Freddie, let's just jump into some news because it has been a, a pretty big news week in rugby league particularly with the uh, the announcement, the unfortunate announcement for a lot of rugby league fans across the country that the NRL has made the decision to basically move rugby league to southeast Queensland um, or, or Queensland generally for the, for the next month, uh, which Reid also might mean the foreseeable future um, because the New South Wales COVID situation continues to get worse and worse, um, unfortunately. And it may have an increase in lockdowns for New South Wales generally, uh, an increase in severity of lockdown as well, uh, which means that and the NRL just, in order to try and make it continue, make it work, they had to move up to Queensland for what is essentially magic month, uh, unlike magic round. Uh, it seems to me like it needs to happen, Friendy. I know that you're down on the central coast in New South Wales. I'm up here in Brisbane. The worst that we have at the moment is like I went to work today. Um, you know, we went on the train, the bus, the 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 city cat around Brisbane River. All I had to do was wear a mask. That was it, and check in the places. Uh, so things are pretty good in Brisbane at the moment, but down in New South Wales, uh, not so much. Yeah, the lockdown laws are a bit stricter here. I, I was back in work today. Um, had to wear a mask the whole time. But yeah, it obviously a bit stricter. So the guys have had to go interstate, basically the whole league except for Melbourne. Um, so it's a pretty interesting time. I would have thought they'll yeah they'll get some cameras up there, won't they? Like it's it's a full on reality TV show waiting to happen. The, the different Queensland <laughs> hubs and yeah, Big Brother for footy players. That sounds pretty fun actually. Um, but I, it got me thinking. Um, do you think that? 
all these other teams being away from their family. I know that some family members will be able to join them in their hubs, which is a, a lovely thing. Um, but being away from their creature comforts, from their friends, their extended families, uh, and being in a camp situation, do you think that will play to the advantage of those teams that are in those camps? Or do you think it'll play to the advantage of teams like maybe the Titans or Cowboys who are still feasibly a chance of making the top eight, who gets to stay at home, be with the family, the kids still go to school. Um, how do you sort of see this playing out? Well, that depends on the team and the organisation, I would have thought. So it happened with Melbourne last year and they won the competition. They were living up in the Sunshine Coast for the best part of six months, I guess, and they all sort of banded together at the start and said, right, we've still got an opportunity to win the comp and we're going to make the most of it, and they certainly did. So I guess it's up to the leaders of that group, whether that's the coaching staff, the the leadership groups within the playing group um, and, and it's up to them how they, they take it on board and yeah, it, it, it could work in your favour it, it, it could not um, I, I heard Phil Gould uh, this afternoon actually talking about how he would love to have a camp style situation like you said and have access to the players all the time whether that uh, translates to these days when the, the guys are seem a bit of a different generation to the guys that Gus coached uh, I'm not sure but I guess it's up to the yeah, the, the leadership groups of each club and I think the big winners to me um, looking at it sort of a different way would be Penrith so Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai they're at home resting up for a few weeks not just physically but mentally so they're actually having a bit of a mid-season sort of not holiday because we're still in lockdown in the greater Sydney region, but they're just away from footy for a little bit and they can sort mm. of relax and come back ready for gearing up for finals, I guess. I, I really think Penrith are the big winners out of it. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, a sabbatical, if you will. Um, obviously, there'll be some rehabilitation that'll be happening for those players and obviously mm. some degree of fitness, but if they're able to do that from the comfort of their homes... Um, yeah with partners or, or kids or whatever they might have. I'm not sure about their personal mm. lives. That yep. could be um, that could be a, a definite plus. You're, you're quite right. And can they emulate what the Storm did last year? A lot of people said they could. So uh, this is their chance, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Jerome Luai, he, he's got a young family. Uh, mm. Nathan's obviously just, I, th- I think he lives with Tyrone May, I think. So he might just have the run of the joint to himself for a bit. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure they can still go into Penrith Stadium and and still train that way um, because they would literally just be driving from their house, do their rehabilitation, go home, and and that's it. So it's it's still not a great way to live, but I just think mentally being away from everything, and they might go up to Queensland the last week of the the proposed sort of hub or, yeah, something like that. I I think getting away for a couple of weeks um, is a real benefit to them. Yeah, good call. I like it. Speaking of moving up to Queensland, it's not just the NRL that's doing that. It's also State of Origin 3, which has unfortunately been taken away from Newcastle just days after it was announced that they would be getting State of Origin 3. It's been moved to Seabus Stadium on the Gold Coast, which is uh, which is great for the Gold Coast. I'm really, really happy for them. But, geez, friendly, I'm a little bit upset about Newcastle missing out because uh, they would have been pumped after that announcement, I would have thought. Oh, yeah, they would have absolutely loved it. They're rugby league mad. Um, up in Newcastle and obviously it's the home stadium of my team there would have been disappointing for it to be played there for the first time ever and, and me not to be able to go uh, being in lockdown still but uh, yeah it's, it's moving up to the Gold Coast and I guess 3-0 on Queensland soil that'd be a pretty sweet thing for the New South Wales side to think about. 
Well, I was just, just going to ask you that because there is that talk about, you know, oh, it's unfair that Queensland gets three games in a row, Townsville, Brisbane, Gold Coast. Next year, New South Wales better have three in a row, Newcastle, Sydney, Canberra, maybe. Um, I know that's not at New South Wales, but you get my drift. Yeah. Um, first of all, do you think there should be uh, a situation where New South Wales get the same in return? Um, and then secondly, are you bothered at all? No, I'm not bothered at all. Um, but yeah, it, on your first point there, I, I don't think so, no. I'm a big believer in just... I actually don't like when we sell games to Melbourne, Adelaide, wherever else. I, I prefer the traditional Sydney and Brisbane, um, and I think it should just be two one year and, and one the next in, in either state. Um, and I don't think it bothers me um, at all this year. I guess it's because we're doing well. It might have been a different story a few years ago. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't think you've heard anything. The, the media certainly spun it a certain way, but I don't think the New South Wales camp and Freddie and the players, I don't think you've heard anything out of them. They're just getting on with the job, which I think is a really good good play at this time. I agree with that. I, What I wouldn't mind to see, and I, I tend to agree with you about... You know, I think Adelaide was fine last year and the idea of Perth is fine. Melbourne's been fine in the past. But um, I do like the idea of two in one state, one in the other. Mm. That that's works for years and years and years. What I would like to see, now that I've had a taste of it, um, is each year, though, the team, that, the, the team that has the two games, one of them goes to one of those big regional centres. Yep. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying take it out to Wagga, for you know, so people can cram into the outer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm saying play it at a good stadium. Play it at mm-hmm. McDonald Jones. Play it at Canberra. Play it at Seabus or in Townsville, um, because that was a huge success playing it in Townsville. Obviously, it was great for New South Wales the, on the night, but for the yeah. Townsville region, I mean, I, I was born in Townsville, lived there till I was six. Um, I have some pretty close contacts there, including grandparents, cousins, the whole lot. People were buzzing. They loved it. And, uh, you know, obviously sad result for most of them who are not New South Wales fans. But, like, that's incredible. And if we can spread that every year to a different place and then, you know, maybe Townsville doesn't have to wait for a freaking pandemic to get something so cool. You know, next time it can be, well, they can just look forward to it in 10, 12 years time because, you know, Gold Coast will get their turn or Sunshine Coast maybe, whatever, whatever. But it'll get there eventually and... And that'll be really cool. Um, what are your th- What are your thoughts on that? Do you like the idea of sort of spreading the love just a little bit, even amongst the the actual playing states? Yeah, I love the idea. Even if it was every couple of series or something like that, because I think you've got a few stadiums there now. Like you said, Townsville. That's that looks unreal. I haven't been there, but it looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Suncorp's the main one, but then you've got Seabus on the Gold Coast, and then in terms of New South Wales, you could probably do. Newcastle, I would have thought, as you said, Canberra, I know it's not a New South Wales technically, but that's sort of part of it, I guess, the, the big region. And then um, you've got Bank West, whether or not you use Bank West, because it is pretty close proximity to ANZ itself, but mm-hmm. there's certainly a few stadiums there um, that you could use. And yeah, it's certainly an option, whether the NRL do it, just purely on ticket sales, if you're getting, what, 55000 to Suncorp and, and 80000 to um, Homebush Stadium, uh, yeah. Whether they want to sort of miss out on thirty to sixty thousand um, ticket sales is, I guess, up to the NRL and something I, 
I don't think they would do, but I do like the idea, yeah. Yeah, it, it, unfortunately, my bleeding heart uh, does not speak money, um, and <laughs> and and there there are some probably some financial benefits to doing something like that uh, in in terms of long term growth of the sport, mm. um, but. It's hard to quantify that, and I think the boffins at NRL HQ probably wouldn't like my suggestion so much. But alas, I'll keep pushing it. Um, yeah, let's jump into Set of Origin three because that is the big news. It's getting played uh, tomorrow night as we record, as you listen to it, probably tonight. Um, now, obviously, New South Wales have won the previous two games emphatically, very deserving uh, victors of this series. Uh, as a Queenslander. It's really, really hard to see much hope um, coming out of this series. And we spoke about, you know, what what should Queensland do? What should Paul Green and the selectors do? Should they throw off a few young guys to the wolves and see what happens? And, and maybe they have a blinder and maybe they win. Um, do we even have the young guys there to throw to the wolves? Um, or do we, you know give these guys one last chance and, and see how they go. Now, it seems like they've decided for the most part to give the guys that are there one last chance to prove themselves. I, I like that they've moved Ben Hunt into the starting hooker position. I think that's really good. Callum yep. Pong is available, had a blinder against the Cowboys, had to get him in. Uh, Reese Walsh was injured, so he drops out. Militalo's um, ineligible, so he drops out. Um, Kyle Felt was pretty unimpressive, so he drops out. I'm pretty okay with that. Um, Hamaso was a very interesting one, I thought, because he's 19, very, very quick, beautiful runner, uh, very balanced, uh, very exciting for me uh, from an attacking point of view. Um, defensively, though, he could have his hands full, uh, particularly if uh, if Tommy Turbo stays anywhere near his his centre position where he uh, where he's at least named. Yeah, certainly. The one thing he does have on his side, though, is he's playing centre every week at his at his club. So, Capel hasn't had that. Um, yeah, Hamiso, he, he does have that electric speed, like you said. So, I wouldn't have thought they'll be getting on his outside, well, not through any fault of his own anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, he, he's a, an interesting selection. He's not really defensively minded, but I think he's got enough speed to cover any deficiencies there so um it's going to be hard for anyone to stop tommy and and i don't mind the selection because there's certainly some points in him as you said as well ponga at the back and ben hunt is certainly at this stage with um yeah reed marnie's been out technically for he's available this week but he's yeah hasn't been selected so i think hunt was their best option at hooker at the moment with marnie and, and harry grant out so yeah, i think there's some more points in queensland this time and and the hammer's certainly part of that yeah, like I've I've kind of noticed something like Queensland have been in the hunt with New South Wales in both of the games yep. for about ten minutes. Mm. Uh, it, it's not much more than that, uh, and and the reason for that is that while New South Wales probably do have the edge in the forward pack, it's not a huge chasm. Of, of difference, you know, and and they also, with Cleary and Luai being in the form they in, probably have the edge on the halves as well. Um, both those players not available for Origin 3, so we'll talk about that in a moment. But the big difference between the teams has probably been uh, bench depth yep. and the outside backs. And, and the fact that the scores have been so huge is because of the strength of the outside backs, particularly... So, like, with, with Peter Volandi's ball as it's become affectionately or unaffectionately known um 
the thing is that the forwards will do their job, right? But the the big difference makers are those creative players or those ones that have the ability to finish the points uh, in an extraordinary fashion. Now, Tavorovic is an extraordinary player. Latrell Mitchell's extraordinary. Adokar's ridiculously fast. Toto is almost impossible to tackle one-on-one. you got Cleary and Luai pulling the strings. Tedesco is one of the best players in the world. That's very hard to shut down. Queensland are throwing Hamaso in there because he is one of those kinds of players. I'm not saying that he's in the league of any of those players at this stage of his career. I'm certainly not saying that because I could, I could already hear Miles laughing at me. But <laughs> what? But he is the kind of player that if you give him the ball one-on-one with a defender, you don't know what's going to happen. Like anything yep. could happen. He could chip and chase. He could run around and he could get smashed into the sideline. But he's that kind of player. Uh, Kurt Capel is not. Dane no. Gagai is not. Um, no. Kyle Felt is not. You know, these players are, are not that kind of exciting talent. So, I'm with you. I, I don't mind it. I was a bit surprised, but I mm. absolutely don't mind it. Um, apart from that, there's not much to say about Queensland selections. Uh, Fafita is also... Actually, that is the two people. Miles is right. The bold prediction came true. There you go. That's the two people. Fafita out suspended. Jai Arrow out also suspended. There's your two people. Miles is correct. Go. Sorry, Miles. I apologize. Um, anyway, back to that. So, Fafita's out. Molo comes in. Uh, Arrow's out. It probably means Thomas Flegler comes in. Um, again, New South Wales is bench depth. You know, Saifiti comes out. Fanukin comes in. Yes. <laughs> like He's gone straight to vice captain of the team too. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and look, why not? I mean, yeah. I, I want nothing but success for that dude. He seems like a lovely fella. Um, again, you've mentioned the first couple of games, but again, you'd have to say that while New South Wales might have some shortcomings in particular parts of their roster, the bench depth, whew, like yeah. they just they just got Queensland covered. Yeah, at the moment, and and they just do have more players to pick from. So, at the moment, they're all in form. A lot of the Sydney clubs are flying high. So. Um, in the NRL, so I guess that translates into good New South Wales sort of systems. Um, yeah, I, I think we're certainly strong there on the bench. As you said, the back line is just red hot. Um, I actually think Payne Haas will start and Fanukin will just drop back to the bench, and I think that'll be... I think he'll have a really big game, Payne Haas, this one. The thing with Queensland, with Arrow out, I, I think obviously him as a player is a loss, but what it does do, I would suggest... Um, Tino Fars or Malawi, he will have to start again. And I mm-hmm. I actually think he's better coming off the bench at this stage of his career in that arena. Um, he, he can make much more of an impact from the 20-minute mark, whereas in the early stages of these games, he just looks out of gas um, the, the first two games. And it's, it's really disappointing because I, I actually do like watching him play. I'm a bit of a fan. So I think the loss of Arrow is sort of a, a two-pronged loss there and um, it might affect Tino as well. I also wonder if there was a, a slight plan to potentially use Tino as an edge player or a middle, depending on the game situation. Um, yep. I, w- I was surprised when they named Jai Arrow on the edge in game two, when they had Tino right there. Tino proved to be very adept in that position for the Storm yep. um, coming off the bench. So, um, again, yeah, like Arrow jumping, dropping out means that, yeah, he probably does have to play as a middle. Um, although Flegler and Moller are also middles, uh, Fodawake coming off the bench is also a middle. Yep. Who knows? Maybe Fodawake, uh, sorry, um, Fasul Maliawi does does fill that edge role, or maybe it's just 
Kafusi and Capewell just play 80, uh, which is fairly likely, I suppose, isn't it? Um, yeah. W- what I'm interested to know is, from a New South Wales point of view, would it be fair to say that your the weakest part of your squad is the halves at the moment? It was probably one of your strengths uh, into yep. the first couple of games. But with uh, Cleary and Luai out, you've got Moses on debut and Jack Whiten slotting in at 5'8". I can't recall, has Jack Whiten played 5'8 as a starting player for New South Wales yet? He hasn't started there. I'm pretty sure he came on when they sort of took Cody Walker off and Jack Whiten went into six last year or the year before. I think mm. the year before, actually. And, yeah, um, yeah so he, he's played there, but he certainly hasn't started or been named in the six. But I actually think Jack will be okay. I think in these types of games, he'll just keep it really simple. He'll just run. He's a big body. I, I think he'll have quite a good game. Moses concerns me a little bit, uh, especially because... He, from all reports, he's a bit of a hothead. He likes to spray uh, his teammates a little bit, which is fine when it's week-to-week club stuff. But I think he he has the potential to get overawed a little bit. Um, If I was Freddie, I'd just be saying to Mitch, just tackle well, kick long, and just give Tom the ball. So, yeah, that'd that'd be my job for Mitch. Well, it's interesting because both of those players, um, Moses and Whiten, have pretty good kicking games good enough passing games but their real strength is their running games do you do you think that on the balance of things in this particular team that they're playing with you know like Whiten's side that he normally plays with with the Raiders he is the most damaging runner because his options are you know Jared Croker who's a fine player but he's not that damaging a runner compared to Whiten Whiten is the threat uh for the Eels Moses is also one of their biggest threats with the ball. Now, in New South Wales, they both are not. They've got Mitchell and Trevojevic outside of them, plus Adokar and Toro and Tedesco. So, would you be hoping that Freddie just says, look, yeah, as you say, tackle hard, kick long, pass early? Or do you want to see them dipping into the line a fair bit and getting their hands dirty as well? Yeah, no, I'd certainly still run. I was just having a look now, and Nathan Cleary, he ran for 99 metres in game one and 114 in game two. So for a halfback, wow. that's, yeah, that's a lot. And by him doing that, taking on the line, he's he had 16 runs in game two. So what that does is obviously creates the the space for the outside men because once they run a few times, which I certainly think Whiten will, I, I can't see Whiten passing too often, Um it, yeah, it creates that doubt in the defender's mind, so they, they do have to jam on the half, and then there's a few options to pass from there. So, yeah, I'd definitely encourage them both to run, especially Moses, because I think when he doesn't run, he goes yeah far too sideways and dishes way too early. So um, I'd certainly encourage them to run run early and, and run lots. Yes, yeah, if I'm if I'm Queensland, what I'm focusing on with both of those players is inside pressure and defense. Because yep. I, as you say, Moses does run across field. And if he runs yep. towards the sideline, that pushes Trevojevic and Adokar towards the mm-hmm. sideline. It makes the yep. job so much easier for Queensland. Um, so I'm really hoping that there's somebody, uh, you know, someone in that middle defense that is whoever is has that assignment at that time, they're really not slackening off. They're pushing up on the inside um, and, and trying to, you know, don't hit him late, late, yep. but may, make sure he knows you're there. Uh, yeah, Christian, Christian Welch is your man for that. 
that he he's the guy that yeah would be looking for that inside pressure and kick pressure and and all those gritty things that the Melbourne Storm players do each week, which makes him a really good side. I think yeah he, he'd be the guy that I'd be telling to do that if I was the Queenslanders. Steve Price 2.0, as far as I'm concerned, Christian Welch. <laughs> I, I do like a bit of Christian Welch. Um, let's talk about uh, so obviously on the on the balance of things, are we thinking it's going to be another? fairly comfortable victory for New South Wales here, um, playing as close to home as they possibly can at the Gold Coast? Yeah. I don't think um, it'll be comfortable the whole time. I think for about 60 minutes, I think it'll be pretty close, this one. Um, I'll tip New South Wales 28-16 as a guess. Um, I think we might miss a goal or two. Latrell Mitchell's kicking from what I've heard, so Moses won't kick on debut. Um, so Latrell hasn't been k- kicking at club level. He, he's a hell of a kicker, but yeah, he may miss a couple there. So I've got twenty-eight twelve to New South Wales. Uh, and I, I don't even know who's kicking for Queensland. It's probably Christian Welch. Just get him in there. He's a <laughs> he's a storm player. Get him in. Uh, I think you're probably right in saying that. Like Queensland will be motivated to make sure it's not a whitewash. Uh, Mitchell Moses will feel some pressure, and I hope he does. Um, from a Queensland point of view, uh, and like also from a New South Wales point of view, like you want to see what the kid's up to. Um, like if if Cleary is ever injured again, Moses is the, is the heir apparent for the next couple of years, right? So yep. what what you want is Queensland to really turn the Bunsen burner up, make it blue, and then see if he's got it, uh, if he can handle it. Um, because in big games thus far into his career, uh, you know, the Eels haven't been winning those big games and your halfback has a lot to say about that. So um, it, 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 t- the time is now for him. He's been given the chance above Adam Reynolds. It sounds like it was uh, a foregone conclusion before the weekend it was even played. So let's um, let's see what he can do. And from Queensland's point of view, put the pressure on him. And from New South Wales's point of view, they probably want the same thing, wouldn't you think? Yeah, of course. Yeah, let, let's see what he's got at this level. And, and as you said, see if he's a, a ready-made replacement for when, when Cleary isn't there. So, um, yeah, all, all the best to him. Who do you reckon is going to be... Uh, what You know, the safest bet here is that New South Wales will score first. Do you think that will be the case? And if so, who's your first try scorer? I did think, with Kalen back playing for Queensland, I did think about the left, <laughs> the left winger for... Uh, for Queensland with that, that skip across and then the big long ball for him. But I've actually gone with, um, I think Moses will have a hand in it. And I think Cameron Murray, I've just had a little stab in the dark on the right edge there. So the right edge for New South Wales has scored. Tom obviously scored the first game and, and Josh Adokar scored game two. It's that same sort of play when they shift out there. And I think all the eyes, especially with uh, Tabua Fido, that they're all going to be on Tom and, and Josh Adokar. So I think a little short ball for Cameron Murray sliding through there. Um, yeah, he might crash over early. Not to mention uh, Teddy probably switching around the back of that as yeah. well. So yep. like, yeah, exactly. Their eyes will be rolling in the back of their heads and uh, Cameron Murray probably seen as the lesser of those threats. I uh, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. I am, I'm going to back in your initial instinct, um, but instead of giving it to Val Holmes, I'm going to give it to the debut uh, player hammer so I, like I, 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 maybe this is just cowboys wishful thinking but uh you know yeah like ponga skipping across to that left side uh that's also munster's side of course so that's, yep. that's two of your most dynamic players right there passing it to potentially the quickest guy on the field it'd be yep. him or Adokar. yeah for sure. um 
so, you know, yeah, maybe. And Tommy Turbo, great player that he is. And he, he always, you know, if you run straight at him, he'll, he'll handle you, but he's not a center. So no. if you get him making decisions with the, with the quality of Munster and Ponga making those last minute plays, uh, it could be anything. So I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Hamaso crashes over. That's what I'm going to go with. Player of the match, I'm not backing in. Hamaso, um, <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, I, I do think New South Wales will will get the job done, um, and he's been so 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 excellent. Um, uh, and he hasn't got player of the match yet. I'm going to give it to Latrell Mitchell for mine. Yep. Uh, where are you landing? I'm going up in the engine room up front. Uh, I, I still think, as I said before, I think this guy will start the game, and I think he's had a really, really good series. Um, he's, he's certainly come of age, and he'll be in that blue jersey for a long time. I'm going to go Payne Haas to pinch me into the match. Now, let's while we're here, I, I suppose I have a question without notice. Um, player of the series. Now, that'll be decided after this game, of course. Uh, yep. So far, we've had Turbo win player of the match game one, Tedesco in game two, Mitchell was probably second in both of those games. Yep. Uh, Cleary was also up there, and so was Luai, but they're both not available for game three. So unless they pull up a Billy Slater and only play two games to win the player of the series, yep. I don't see that happening. Um, I'm going to just land with Turbo on that one, I think. Uh, particularly just the way that he was completely dominant in the first game to set the tone. Uh, yep. for the series. I, I think that was the most instrumental part of, of this series going the way it did. So I'm going to go with Turbo for player of the series. Where do you, where do you land? Yeah, that's that's the person I'm, I'm with as well, Boa. Echo everything you say there. I think he set the tone. He Even in that the very first set of the whole series, uh, he was in there and just give me the ball. So I think he's been the most destructive player on the park. Um, yeah, right across the series. Latrell's been outstanding. James Tedesco's yeah been fantastic as well. A bit of a shout out to Isaiah Yo. I think he's really held us together in the middle. I think he's been awesome as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll, I'll go with Tommy Turbo. I think it's his to lose, to be honest. Isaiah has made it very tricky for Victor Radley to because Victor Radley probably had that thirteen jersey at the start of the series if he didn't get himself suspended. He, or he, if he didn't, he was there or thereabouts. Yep. Now uh, you know. Isaiah's made this very tricky to give it to Victor Radley, and I, I will hark back to that that bold prediction that uh, that Miles had in the group chat like six, seven weeks ago, saying that Victor Radley will never play for New South Wales, and we all thought he was an idiot. But <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like you never know. Like you know, now he's now he's behind the eight ball. Um, it'll take some injuries or some outrageous form potentially. Uh, so yep. let's see. Uh, that'll do for state of origin analysis. I think. Uh, let us know who you think is going to be player of the series. Uh, especially you and Ned. I know you're listening. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, let's have a little uh, little break. Uh, I've got an ad for my other podcast, Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, uh, which is a show I run with uh, Daniel Lang from Real Sport and the Pioneer Australia. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the hilarious or not situation where Sam Walker ran 90 metres backwards, chased by a lone bulldog to close out the game on Saturday night. Back soon. If you can't get enough of Seinfeld, overalls with one of the straps undone, the Chicago Bulls winning championships, and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. 
If you do, you should tune in to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, which is brought to you by the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast where we discuss the pop culture icons of our favourite decade. Season 1 is ready to listen to right now, with Season 2 arriving soon. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. I'm Bo Nicholson. I'm joined by Daniel Friend, and this is the Halftime Entertainment. And this week, after Saturday night in round 17, where the Roosters are up 22 to 16 against last place Bulldogs, and the Bulldogs, you know, played pretty well, to be fair, didn't they, Friendy? Like, they were they were really in yep. the hunt for this game. And, yeah, they and were. It, and it was like... Uh, last play, 15, 20 meters out, right in front of the post. Sam Walker, the halfback, gets the ball. Not bad at a, at a, at a, a field goal, Sam Walker. He has won a game this season with a field goal late in the game. So we're thinking, oh, well, he could put him seven in front, or maybe he just takes the tackle in the corner, or maybe he kicks it into touch and they have to tackle from a scrum. Uh, nope. Sam Walker runs backwards, Tony Iroh style, uh, for 90 meters. And then he sort of runs towards the sideline and then sort of runs towards the middle. And then he does run into the sideline and runs it out. Uh, and of course, by that point, there's only three or four seconds left on the clock. Bulldogs are six points behind. The only person close by is Lachlan Lewis. That is not enough to pack a scrum and stop the clock. Therefore, the Roosters won the game and there has been some controversy about it, Friendy. Not everyone likes it. So the question is, and I will put this question to the punters on NRL Gossip's uh, Facebook page. Is this completely fine or is it completely shit? To be honest, I cannot believe people are blowing up about it. I love it. I, I, I think it should happen all the time. I, you, you're a professional rugby league player. Your job is to win games. That's it. End of. So if you can guarantee that result with 20 seconds left, 30 seconds left, a minute left, I, I can't see what's wrong with it. You've done your job for the week. So when people go into work, they've got a job to do. This was Sam's job and he's secured the result. Uh, I can't see why it doesn't happen more often. Well done, Sam. Well, it's, it's an interesting point of view, isn't it? And like, by the way, just so full disclosure, I tend to agree with you. That's, that is the halfback's job, particularly the halfback. Yep. That's yep. the marshal of your team. Um, and you see it in soccer, you know, like people just sort of keeping it near the corner and kicking it into the opponent and getting a throw mm. in or whatever. Um, it, it happens in a variety of different sports. Um, so why not rugby league? And if you've been in front for 79 and a half minutes... Why not just do everything you can to stay in front? Like, I totally get it. Let me play devil's advocate, though. Is it in the spirit of the game? No, it's not. But, as I said, they're they're there to win. So, they're they're not worried about the spirit. And, to be fair, it's not cheating. So, cheating would be a whole different subject. Spirit of the game, what is the spirit of the game? Is there... Is that made on social media? Is that is there a rule book on that? It's it's a it's a mythical thing. So it's in all different sports, and yeah, I know certain times over the years playing sports myself, um, the spirit of certain things or certain sports comes into question. So I guess it's up to the individual. And yeah, as I said, I, I think it's all about the results. These guys are getting paid to win, and and that's what he secured. So yeah, good luck to him. 
I suppose you wouldn't want to see it. You, you don't want to see 10-year-olds doing it at the park necessarily. Um, it, uh, well, like maybe you do. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Like if, <laughs> if, you, if you see a, a 10-year-old doing that on the Central Coast to mm. secure a C-grade under-10s game, are you, are you happy with that result? Um, I mean, again, if, if they're playing 10s, probably a, a little bit different. So, uh, I mean, whether that's even competition or not, I'm not sure. But if it's under 16s and the boys are in front by one with 20 seconds to go, yeah, run it out, little Johnny. That's, that's fine with me. All right, let me let me switch gears a little bit here because I like playing devil's advocate. As I said, I agree with you, uh, but there is there is another side to this coin. Now, um, the equivalent in another sport that I can immediately think of that is very well known, and a lot of rugby league fans will know this event. Trevor Chapel, I say that name mm. to you. You know yep. exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I'm course. talking about the underarm delivery yep. uh, when it's six to win against New Zealand in a one day game. Greg Chapel's got his numbers wrong. He goes to his brother to bowl the last over and they come up with a, an idea mm-hmm. and Rodney Marsh is like, no, don't, don't, no. And he rolls it down the pitch, making a six impossible to hit. It is not in the spirit of the game, as Richie Benno made abundantly clear in the yep. post-game commentary. Yep. But it was in the rules until yep. after that time. So uh, do you see this as being a similar kind of thing? Just like, you know, maybe not playing to the spirit of the game, but taking the, the result into your own hand mm-hmm. within the rules, completely fine. Are you okay with the underarm ball all these years later, 40 years later? Are you okay with it? It's looked back on as a, as a terrible incident in Australian sport, isn't it? But as we've discussed, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an ambiguous thing, the, the spirit of the game. And at the time, it was legal. It wasn't cheating. So, I mean, personally, I, I wouldn't, do that or wouldn't have done that but it it was legal and and it was it was a legal delivery so it it secured the win and and that's what they were paid to do so um i can understand it would i have done it no but i can understand it certainly would you support a rule change in rugby league that gives an a referee the discretion to say you've just run 90 meters backwards there is no reason you would have done that apart from trying to wind down the clock that is against the spirit of the game there's a penalty to the bulldogs i'm going to give them the ball uh from where you received it yeah i I guess so if that's something they want to bring in but uh there's guys every week that fake cramp um there's all sorts of tactics out there there's like alan langer is on the field for 70 of the 80 minutes for Brisbane, basically playing halfback verbally. So <laughs> there's plenty of things that are out there that don't get picked up. And um, I, I'm, yeah, I, I think it's a, to me, I reckon it's a bit of a non-issue, the Sam Walker thing. I think, yeah, good on him. He won the game. Um, I guess the fact that he ran 90, it was a bit different when um, I saw during the week, Jake Friend, when they won their 2019 premiership, he mm-hmm. picked up the ball from dummy half, ran back about eight meters or so, and threw the ball out when the siren, like just before the siren went. So, I mean, it's happened before. Jared Hayne ran the ball back into the crowd. There's plenty of times where it's happened. I think it's just the fact that Walker ran 90 meters <laughs> um, is is the only difference. But yeah, it, as I said, it's about winning, and and that's what he secured. Jake Friend did something fairly similar, actually, in uh, Game 3 last year, did he not? Yeah. It was, it was yep. something kind of similar. Threw it into the crowd over the dead ball line. Um, yeah, I mean, 
Absolutely good examples. I think you're right. I think the reason everyone's got their knickers in a knot over it is the farcical nature of it. Tony Iroh was very similar. He was weaving yeah. and ducking and stuff like that. It was r- ridiculous stuff. And he was a great player. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Trent Robinson's face initially was of complete shock. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he did defend his young halfback somewhat in the press conference. Uh and, and Billy Slater has come out saying, hey, why not? Let's yep. let's find ways. Let's let's hope these young players find good ways of winning. So, Friendy, despite my uh, grilling of you as a devil's advocate, I do agree <laughs> completely fine. I don't want to see it every week necessarily, no. but what I yep. do want to see is the leaders of a team or a halfback taking ownership of the result and doing whatever they can to win. If I'm a Cowboys fan and you're a Knights fan, you're mm. a Blues fan, I'm a Maroons fan, if that means winning one of those games, I'm down. Absolutely. Yep, for sure. All right, so we agree it's completely fine. But as I said, <laughs> and as we said off air, Miles Stedman of this podcast would almost certainly disagree with us, <laughs> uh, being the contrarian that he is. So, uh, And... I'll be very keen to hear what other people think. So, what I'll be doing is later in the week, I'll be posting this on the Above the Horizontal Facebook page, which will be shared to the NRL Gossip Facebook page so we have a lot more reach. Let's see what you all think. Uh, I'm expecting some pretty heated debate. Try and keep it nice and friendly. No swearing, please. And, um, and remember that, you know, if someone disagrees with you about this, it's not worth threatening them over it, okay? It's just fine. And, Friendy, <laughs> I would never want to threaten you about this. I totally agree. No, that's okay. I'll, I'll just do a Sam Walker and turn around and run away 90 metres. <laughs> <laughs> You'd want to go pretty fast. I'm, I'm pretty quick. I, I'm not very good at many things, but I, I used to run pretty quick. So <laughs> yeah. I'll chase you. And that's, well, actually, that's, well, that's one thing that's worth mentioning. If it was Josh Adokar chasing him and not Lachlan Lewis, yeah. <laughs> it may be a different. It's quite a, a risky play. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> if it was next year and the Bulldogs were playing, who knows? Um, all right, mate, let's have a, a little uh, musical interlude. We're back um, after that for round 18, the upcoming fixtures. Back soon. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. You're stuck here with Bo Nicholson and Daniel Friend um, because Miles Stebbin and Kieran Gibson are unavailable this week, and uh, we hope they are also enjoying the show. Friendy, let's talk about round 18. Of course, we've already talked about Origin. We're talking to you just as team lists have been dropped on Tuesday afternoon. So, we're looking forward to Origin and hopefully Queensland win by 30. Um, (laughs) But they probably won't. So, let's talk about the round ahead. Now, on Friday night at 6pm from Seabus Stadium, which is where the Origin game is being played, we've got the Titans and the Eels. Now, in terms of ins and outs there there aren't any really for the titans they've had the luxury of being able to name the same team that uh did okay against canberra a couple of weeks ago the eels have reed marnie returning and that's probably the the biggest news for this one uh isaiah papali'i had a head knock in round 16 they had the buy in round 17 so he should be okay to keep his position um so it's a very very strong eels team uh i understand they're not playing they're playing at the Titans' home. But uh, for me, it's it's probably the Eels on this one, particularly if Mitchell Moses can back up. He's a fairly important player for their team. Yeah, I'll be tipping the Eels as well. I think they're nearly full strength here, just looking at their list. Uh, Marnie back in. I think the only person that may or could come into that side is Blake Ferguson, but they've obviously sort of... Um, they're set with Hayes Dunster there. So, yeah, I'll be tipping Parramatta. 
Yeah, it seems like they've given uh, Blake Ferguson the punt, so that's uh, mm. that's an interesting move. But uh, see if he comes up. It's almost certain their Eels will, will feature prominently in the finals, and someone of his experience might help them down the track. Giving yep. Hayes Dunst some experience in the meantime. Good make Blake Ferguson nice and hungry. Let's see how that goes. Um, f- later that night, at venue to be confirmed, uh, we, <laughs> we have the Seagulls up against the Dragons. Friendy... Uh, Last time we uh, the Sea Eagles backed up again uh, from Origin, we predicted that Turbo would not play, and he didn't. Um, we also predicted a nice close one between the Cowboys and the Sea Eagles. That did not happen. The Sea Eagles put fifty on the Cowboys. Um, I'm, I'm guessing you probably agree that Turbo won't back up um, against the Dragons. Do you think they'll still have the ability to put some points on them? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any chance he plays. I, I can't see how he plays two games in the space of, what, three days, not even. Um, so I can't see how Tom plays there. I think Cherry Evans will probably play. Seems a pretty durable sort of guy, wants to lead his club around. So mm-hmm. they've named him there. Um, it looks like Garrick would slot back into fullback there for them as well. I'm actually, I'm not sold on him back there. I, I'd, I'd maybe have a look at someone else. I, I'm not sure who yet, whether you, you do put Dylan Walker back there or... I'm not too sure. Um, the big news for them, I guess, apart from the Origin players, is uh, Josh Schuster is back in. So I think that's a good inclusion for them. The Dragons have got um, the young Tyrell Sloan. He'll come into fullback. So I'm assuming Dufty, he's one of the suspended players. So he'll yes. serve that with yeah, Fuimeano and Kate Ellis. And then DeBellin's up in the front row, which I, I, I don't like at all. I think he's a really good lock. Uh, I don't think he's a front rower, but... Um, depending on, like, they may have Ben Hunt or Tariq Sims, someone that they might not back up either. So I'll tip Manly. Um, but as we said, we, we really don't know the sides at the moment, but I'll go with, yeah, the Seagulls. I'll also go for the Seagulls. I'm, I'm curious about that Tabella and front row situation. They've got Jermaine Tanua-Brown, who has signed a, a short-term uh, mm. loan deal with the club from the Warriors. Obviously, the Warriors won't be able to play, or well, a lot of them won't be able to play any second-tier football at the moment. So it's a win for the Warriors with him getting some game time. It's a win for the Dragons, helping them get through this little period of players getting banned. Um, and that might take some of the, the load off to Bellin playing the front row as well. Um, yep. But, yes, it's hard to see how um, Hunt playing probably 80 minutes at hooker and then coming back to play halfback uh, with a, a weakened dragon side against the Seagulls. I, I can't see that going well. So, Seagulls for me also. Um, on Saturday afternoon, from venue to be confirmed, it's the Raiders against the Sharks. Now, just looking at this Raiders team, there's a f- obviously they're hoping that Papa Lee and Whiten back up. Dynamis Louis out, um, which is unfortunate for him. He's a good player. The Sharks are unchanged from the team that beat the uh, Warriors on Sunday. So, a couple of pretty informed teams, <laughs> frankly. Um, uh, I can't even say the Raiders' home ground advantage counts for anything. I, like, I'm I'm really torn here, friendly. Like, if I was going to do the old coin toss, I might just land with the Raiders because I like them more. But <laughs> that's probably about it for me. Yeah, that's fair enough. They're coming off a win too. Um, yeah, as we said, we don't really know who's going to back up or or anything like that. So I'm I'm going to go with Cronulla. I think they were, I think they were just really steady on on the weekend on Sunday against the Warriors, and um, I think they weathered the storm early. The one thing I would probably do with Cronulla 
whether it's Tolman or Woods, I'm not too sure. I just think they need to not drop anyone, but just split them up a little bit with... You've got Hamlin Ueli, um on the bench and also, uh, I guess, Talakai or, or Jack Williams. I just think that Woods and Tolman are both very similar. They're workmanlike. They're a little bit slower. And I think if you could get Hamlin Ueli or, or someone else starting and then those guys coming on later and just split them up a bit, that might do them a bit better service. But, yeah, I'll tip Cronulla. Yeah, Cronulla's untouched by origin duty as, as they can have Canberra are not. Um, you're, I think you're right about that front row rotation for the Sharks, come to think of it. Um, uh, unfortunately, their only other options in in the reserves lineup, at least, are Royce Hunt, who's, you know, probably yep. a fringe first grader, and Andrew Fafida, who I, I'm pretty confident in saying does not have the leg speed that you're looking for uh, anymore. Um, so yeah, maybe they're kind of stuck there and maybe that's why they don't want to keep Aaron Woods on the heavily discounted rate that he's offered them. Um, so yeah, uh, fingers, fingers crossed for the Sharks, but I am going to go for the Raiders. We do know the venue of the next one, Friendy. You'll take this one. It's the uh, Cowboys versus the Roosters at 5.30 on Saturday from Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville. Yeah, up in Townsville, that good stadium we were talking about again. So obviously the Cowboys have got um, Hamiso Tabuafito, he's making his debut for Queensland, so he'll be potentially backing up for the first time with Val Holmes and Francis Molo if he plays. Um, they've got Cohen Hesse's move back to the bench. As we said, that that may all change. So um, the Cowboys, they they look. It's probably one of their stronger sides at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like Reese Robson at hooker. I'm a bit of a fan of his. Um, and then the Roosters. It looks like there's no injuries for them at the moment. You've still got Tedesco and Crichton though. Um, backing up Victor Radley he, he's obviously came back last week so he's a good inclusion uh, I'll be tipping the Roosters I, I do just think the Cowboys are just leaking too many points at the moment and, and I can't see that stopping at the moment look I'm a Cowboys fan this is at home it's super hard to tip against the Roosters though um, so I'm going to also go with the Roosters for the tipping this week I'll take the next one which is between the Storm and the Knights uh, venue to be announced uh, let's suggest, I mean, in theory, it should be at the Storm's home ground, but maybe they'll play at the Sunshine Coast, which is their home away from home. Um, in terms of the Storm's lineup, uh, of course, no Ryan Pappenhausen still, unfortunately. So Nico Hines is a fairly able replacement. There's nothing really to write home about in terms of the Storm's uh uh, changes to their lineup. The Knights, uh, the last time they played, they absolutely caned the Cowboys and they've they've kept a very, very similar looking lineup, which is very exciting news for them. They've named Daniel Saifiti despite the fact that he was uh, deemed unavailable for Origin 3. Um, and Tyson Frizzell is also making his return too. So that's they've only just strengthened a team that was already, uh, already pretty strong against the Cowboys. So... Uh, I'm going to go for the Storm. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's pretty, pretty hard to do. Unfortunately for my Knights, I'll be tipping the Storm as well. They're just too strong. And uh, whether they play in, in Melbourne or they play up in the uh, in the Queensland State, I'm not too sure yet. But even with Frizzell back, I think, yeah, Melbourne, they're just they're too, too clinical at the moment. They're outstanding. So hard to tip against them. Let's go with uh, the Sunday afternoon game between the Warriors and the Panthers, also venue to be confirmed, please, Friendy. Yeah, so the Warriors, it uh, looks like they're Josh Curran, who was pretty good for them early in the season. He's back mm-hmm. on the bench there. Um, Ewan Aitken is in as well. 
Oh, I did sort of think about this one a little bit. Just with the Penrith halves, they've got Tyron May and Matt Burton there. So whether they've played together very much, I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, Dylan Edwards, he's back for them as well. So that puts Staines back out on the wing, which helps them. And and as I said, yeah, Burton at 5'8", May at 7. I, I did toss it up with all their players potentially resting, especially with Coruscant May rest as well, uh, depending on how much he plays. But yeah, in the end, I had to go with Penrith. I just, yeah, I, I can't see the Warriors scoring enough points against them, unfortunately. It's one of those situations where, like, looking at the reserves list for the Panthers, obviously they're allowed to name a few more given that they have a few more people in State of Origin. If, say, three or even two of their players don't back up, Mm. um, those reserves just don't quite cut the mustard um, compared to the ones that they would be replacing. And that's hardly a slight because the players they're replacing are very good players. Um, But... Uh, again, it's one of those situations where it's very, very hard to tip against such a good team. Uh, so I'm going to also go for the Panthers. Um, I, I was curious, looking at the Warriors reserves list, uh, I thought that Townsend and Harris would be longer-term injuries. They've named them in the reserves. I wonder if that's just desperation uh, and they just don't have anybody else to name, which would make loaning Tanoa Brown to the Dragons even more perplexing. Uh, yeah, but- it's yeah. It's not not the first crazy thing the Warriors have done in their uh, in their times of franchise. Uh, ben Murdoch Basilla is out for the Warriors as well, which I think is a pretty big out. Um, so I'm going to go with the Panthers as well. Let's move forward to the Broncos versus the Tigers at Suncorp Stadium, 4:05 p.m. Sunday afternoon. Broncos uh, keeping a pretty similar side to the team that had a pretty good game last time they played. Um, Rhys Kennedy is looking to make that front row spot his own now that Matthew Lodge has moved on. Uh, Thomas Flegler starting from the bench is an interesting one with uh, Kobe Hetherington at lock. Um, Hetherington played pretty well last time they played and he, and he started at lock. So, yeah, curious one considering Flegler is now an origin player or should be. Um, Ethan Bullymore amongst the reserves, again, had a really good try last time they played. So, I'm, I'm I'm confused about that one from Kevin Walters, but it wouldn't be the first time that Kevin Walters has confused me. Yeah. The Tigers, uh, there's a, a new player there that I'm not familiar with in the centers, uh, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but given my Pacifica knowledge, I'm going to go with Junior Paunga. Um, I no idea about him. Hopefully he can play a bit. I assume he would be on the left center position because James Roberts was usually traditionally a right center. So we'll see how he goes. Um, Stefano Utoikamanu is also starting in the front row with Alex Twall and Joe Offerhengawi on the bench, which is an interesting one. Uh, Adam Dewey has moved into 5-8 again with Moses and by dropping to the bench. So that little experiment seems, uh, seems in the past for Michael Maguire, who maybe is just throwing some stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And in terms of throwing stuff to st- <laughs> at the wall to see what sticks, I've got no idea who to tip. Again, um, Katoni Stagg seemed to really improve that team. Like He just gave yeah. them an extra boost. Um, so I'm not sure that Junior Ponga is going to have the same impact <laughs> um, with respect. Um, so I'm going to go with the Broncos. And I feel really dirty saying that, Friendy. <laughs> well, I'm with you. Uh, I'm tipping the Broncos as well. I think uh, Tyson Gamble, he's got a bit of the Josh Reynolds about him. I think someone mentioned that the other day in our, yeah. in our group chat. Um, and, and I like that. He's, he's got a bit of attitude. I think they need a bit of that. Uh, Tessie New, I think, has been 
fantastic for them um, in his sort of second second go at fullback, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think what I can see here is if they do have the young guy on debut defending next to Adam Dewey, is Herbie Farnworth will score for Brisbane. So um, that's they really struggle defensively out that side. So yeah, I'll be tipping Brisbane as well. It would be remiss of me to not mention the fact that Tuki Simpkins, who uh, was part of the Cowboys stable uh, before doing a player swap with Kane Bradley to the Tigers, Tuki Simpkins is a uh, very large human. He's a back rower. Uh, he is making his debut as well for the Tigers off the bench. Now, you have the final game for the week, which is on Sunday evening at 6.15. It's between the Rabbitohs and the Bulldogs at a thus far undisclosed location um can the bulldogs back up their excellent effort against a top six team again i don't think they can so i think south well this one whether latrell cameron murray damian cook dane gagai whether they take the field or not i'm not sure but i think most of them will back up i would have thought and canterbury they've got um, Ava Siumanifagai, he's returning from a one-game suspension. Apart from that, all you've got really is Jackson's on an edge and uh, Renault Fatoni in the middle. And, yeah, they're already lacking Jeremy Marshall King, who's a bit of a creator for them, but I just mm-hmm. can't see them scoring enough points. And the way the footy's being played at the moment, South will just have too much ball for too long, and I feel like South will, yeah, they'll, they'll lap that up and, and score a lot of points and win and win well. I feel for uh, Hame Sele, who is is missing out uh, for the for the Rabbitohs. He's he had a really good game, I thought, um, mm. uh, in the last outing against the Cowboys. Um, look, if I was the Rabbitohs, if I'm Wayne Bennett, I'm seriously considering just giving giving Latrell, yep. giving uh, Damian Cook, maybe just maybe Cameron Murray, just an extra week because that gives me the chance to give guys like Blake Taff, who looked really really good. Yeah, he was fantastic on debut. I thought. Yeah, absolutely, and and Peter Mama Zilus, uh, yeah. who, who can have a go at, at dummy half. Um, I thought he was also pretty good against the Cowboys, although everyone looked pretty good against the Cowboys. <laughs> um, and I'm sure you can cover for Cameron Murray's loss with someone like Liam Knight uh, dropping into lock and someone jumping onto the bench, like Jed Cartwright, perhaps. Yep. Uh, they can certainly cover for it, so I would be tempted to give them a rest just heading into the the business end of the season. Um, that probably is disrespect to the Bulldogs, um, and so be it. Uh, they've, yeah. they've been a basket case for a while. Lachlan Lewis had his best game in Bulldogs colours last week. I can't see I can't see them coming close to the Rabbitohs, unfortunately. I'm, I'm with you, I'm afraid. Let's talk about bold predictions. Um, what do you have for us this week for round 18? Uh- I've gone Origin, so I've gone tomorrow night, and I've gone mm-hmm. Jack Whiten, who I said will he'll be running a lot, I think. So I've got him to have score a try. So Daly Cherry Evans, generally, uh, he, he gets up sort of past the ball when he defends, so I th- he'll be outside Jack, so I think that'll make Jack's decision pretty easy. He'll just try and run between Cherry Evans and, and the back row of Kafusi out that side. So I think he'll score a try, and, and he'll, he'll create a try assist later as well. Yeah, good call. Um uh- my bold prediction for this week is that all of those games that have uh, venue to be announced will be played in Southeast Queensland. Um, <laughs> no, that's not a that's not a real bold prediction. Um, uh, I I actually I don't know how many tries to back in Latrell Mitchell for. I'm going to go with three. 
I think he's going to absolutely bath Dan Gagai and prove once and for all that Dan Gagai is a winger at that level. Yep. And he is he is someone that probably almost makes it into uh, into one of our Origin draft teams um, if he stays on the fucking wing and yeah. doesn't, doesn't get put into centre where he... Like, he had a pretty good series last year um, against Whiten and Gutherson when he was moved around. But... Um, we're talking about a different kettle of fish here. It's Mitchell and, and Tabrojevic, particularly Mitchell this series. So I am going to back Latrell Mitchell in for not one, not two, but three tries. That's <laughs> bold. It's yeah, bold. that is bold. And I've already tipped him as my player of the match. So I think three tries probably would get him over the line there. Um, so that that just about does it for, for us this week, Friendy. Thank you so much for your time and your efforts uh, coming up with all that content this week. And, uh, well, go the Cowboys and go the Maroons. Yeah, go the Blues and go the Knights. There's surely surely the Blues, actually. I'm going to go with the Blues, too. Turncoat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell my friends, but, uh, <laughs> but but I I do like a winning team. So uh, yeah, yep. go go there, go the no, no, go the Lions. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.